Welcome to the UX Growth Podcast, your go-to source for expert insights and actual advice on all things UX design. If you're enjoying the show, I would love for you to subscribe and never miss an episode on your podcasting platform. And don't forget to sign up for our UX Growth Insider newsletter, where you will get exclusive access to even more resources, tips, and insights that help you take your UX design skills to the next level. Be sure to check out our website at theuxgrowth.com, where you can find show notes and links to our social media channels. And last but not least, be sure to follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn for even more UX design goodness. All links are found in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and let's grow together. Hi, this is the UX Growth Podcast, the podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host, Nick Mann. I'm here with another guest of season two with Jeremy Miller, senior staff experience architect and host of the Beyond UX Design Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Jeremy. Yeah, Nick, thanks for having me, man. I am so excited to be on with you. I've been listening to your show for a while and I'm, I'm honored, honored to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Same with your podcast. I think I really like the the things you do and how we can just all learn as we go from absolutely. podcasters too. This is so fascinating to learn. So let's begin by tell us about, about yourself and the journey of how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, right on. Well, I, I've been doing design in one form or fashion or another since the early 2000s. And it's funny because um, I was just talking to a friend of mine not long ago, and, and I mentioned something about the very first website that I designed back in the early 2000s. And I went up on uh, the Wayback Machine to look it up. And I, it was, I, I, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, ah, 2004, 2005. It was 2002. So that was the very first website that I actually designed back in 2002. And it's funny, the, the Wayback Machine has it, but it's the second version because the copy on is like, hey, welcome to our new website. So there was another version before that. So anyway, I've been doing design for a long time. Um, I actually got into design by accident and it's funny because, you know, when, when people always ask how I get into it, um, I've noticed that a lot of people always from just totally random places, it seems like at least people of a certain age, like my age, you know? Uh, and so I started doing it cause I was in a band and I actually was going to school down at LSU down in Louisiana for economics of all things. And uh, I was playing music and, you know, it was like nobody else wanted to design the flyers. Nobody else wanted to do the website. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll do it, you know. So that's how I kind of got into it. And, and over time, what I realized was all my friends bands, they needed websites and and logos and CD art and all that stuff. So I started charging, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, maybe 50 bucks, 100 bucks, a six pack of beer or something. And uh, I, I started realizing, hey, you know, I can actually I can maybe turn this into a, into a full time job. I can actually do this for a living. I never thought of it before. Um, nobody in my family was really, you know, into design or anything like that. Everybody wanted me to go get my MBA and all this stuff. And I just, I had no desire to do that. Um, turns out, you know, Hurricane Katrina hit about, let's see, 2005, I guess that was Hurricane Katrina hit. And I just, I got like, you know, I'm from New Orleans originally. I didn't mention that, but, uh, that's why that's important. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so Katrina hit and I, I had this sort of survivor's guilt, you know, I was up in, in Baton Rouge, LSU and I was like, what am I doing with my life? You know, life's too short. I'm going to get this MBA. I'm going to get this economics degree. Like, what the hell am I going to do with this thing? So I really just, I dropped out of school and I moved back home and I started waiting tables and bartending and playing music, you know, trying to be a full-time musician. Honestly, we were, we were uh, trying to get our album, you know, uh, produced by the, by some, some big bands down there. 
And obviously that didn't work out. Uh, and so I said, well, I got to do something. So I went back to school for design and ended up getting a degree from Tulane in, in uh, digital design and web development. And so by, by gosh, 2011 or so um, was when I got my first UX job. So I was doing, you know, agency work, graphic design before then. Started work in 2011, my first UX job and, you know, working for a startup, did that for a little while, eventually moved over to big corporate America at GE as a lead UX and then you know, got promoted a few times. Now I'm senior staff experience architect doing a lot of fancy stuff. Sounds, sounds really fancy, but it's really just kind of service design. Um, and then in the meantime, like all through there, um, you know, what I realized was I, I, I know a lot and I can give back a lot. I feel like, you know, there's sort of a, you know, I don't know everything obviously, but there's a, I started doing mentoring and I got on ADP list. I was doing mentoring ADP list. And I started realizing like, I'm getting the same questions like over and over and over again. And I was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, there's, there's a desire to hear this information. Maybe, you know, people obviously want it. There's a need, there's an opportunity there. So that's when I started the Beyond UX Design podcast, kind of just all the, all the questions that I was getting from all these various mentor sessions, I just really started turning them into podcast episodes. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where the podcast started. So I started doing the podcast uh, November of last year. Um, so, you know, it's 2022 now, that was 2021. And I've been doing that ever since and doing that. I post on LinkedIn all the time, you know, just like random thoughts, things like I'm, I'm observing, you know, the whole idea is just like kind of share what I know and give back to the community. Cause I, I wish this kind of stuff was around <laughs> when I started, cause none of this was there, you know, I had magazines and books and stuff like that. Smashing magazines around and stuff like that. But uh, you know, this is sort of something I wish I had when I was coming up. So it's just sort of my way of giving back. So yeah, long story short, that's that's my story. Oh wow, that's that is quite the wonderful story and such a remarkable way to give back to the community. I think that's that's one thing that I've noticed the similarities between all the successful UX designers. They're all so involved in the community and making yeah. sure that it is helpful, it is is transparent. It's all these like wonderful things about it. And it's, you, you see the, these common similarities and how mm -hmm. it's like, wow, that, what can I learn from that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah no, like in a way, I'm I, like, I try to do that as, to, as well with this podcast. And yeah. like how I, I even started this was I wanted to break into the industry from, uh, from graphic design. Yeah, well, oh, cool. in web okay. design, awesome. I was doing a lot yeah, of that. Yeah. Right yeah, and so it was just a way to be able to learn alongside oh, so much more experienced people than me. That's really smart. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then package it up and <laughs> give it away for free in a podcast. Cause you know, people out there listening probably don't realize, you know, podcasters don't make any money. <laughs> this is a labor yeah, of yeah. love. <laughs> this is a, unless you're Joe Rogan, I guess he's making money, but most people are definitely not making money. This is, this is a labor of love. So uh, like, and subscribe, uh, leave those five-star reviews. Those help out way yeah. more than, you know, yeah, I know. It's funny how many people are surprised when I tell them like, like over 95, 97% <laughs> of podcasts don't make a single cent. Yep. Yep. I know. Like, Sad, it, it, yeah, you do, I know like, <laughs> we do this because we enjoy you. Do, and I would tell anyone who goes into podcasts, don't do it for the money or yeah. the fame because yeah. statistically, it's not happening. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things too, it's interesting because I come up with all these ideas for doing, you know, I do a solo episode and then I do an interview kind of alternate. And what I find oh, is okay. the solo episodes, like I have a lot of ideas and I, I've got a general idea of what I want to say, but what I find is like, I do a lot of research for those and I'll go online and I'll find a lot of articles or I'll listen to other podcasts or shows and I'll, I'll, I'll be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll write up, you know, outline and things like that. 
And I find that it helps me because I'm actually learning a lot as well. I mean, there's things where I'll go out and I'll read, you know, a lot of times I'll try to find like scholarly articles and, and research papers and things like that. And um, we'll, we'll get stuff from the source. You know, a lot of times when, when people are going and, and reading articles online, medium or something, it's regurgitated that they've heard it from other people. So you're sort of like a game of telephone almost, I, you know, like go to the source, find those academic papers. People are writing about really cool stuff. A lot of stuff you wouldn't even realize would be academic papers, like how to organize a team. You know, people are writing scholarly articles about that, um, you know, product maturity, software maturity. These are actually things that people are, are doing research on, you know, it's kind of interesting. So, you know, um, mm -hmm. Find those find those scholarly articles anyway, but but that kind of helps me finding that stuff and and then you know coming up with how to say to my own words, it it helps me learn a lot of that stuff as well. So it's helping other people, but it's also helping me. And then I can take that back to my full time job, uh, and 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 improve how we all work together based on the things that I'm discovering. So you know it's a win win for everybody. Win for me. It's a win for the listeners, and you know makes makes the uh, the entire I think ecosystem or the the discipline uh, better yeah. for it. Yeah, absolutely. Because like we, uh, because this industry is still so young. So it feels like a lot of what we do is going to like influence the future of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Too. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because a, a lot of people say that like the, the, the field is young and it's not that it's young. It's the, how I think how we that, are applying it true, is young. You know true. what I mean? So there's a lot of concepts. Like I, I've been doing this series on LinkedIn. I post on LinkedIn pretty regularly, They're like all these cognitive laws and cognitive biases and things like that. And most of these are decades old, sometimes hundreds of years mm -hmm. old, you know, yeah, and like it's, but, but they still apply. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They still apply today, you know? And so it's funny because we're like applying them to a very new medium, which is mobile applications or software, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, 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 but the ideas and the fundamentals and all that stuff, they've really been around for a long time. Human factors, you know, human computer interaction, like human machine inter interfaces, like these things have been around for some time. Um, it's just that, you know, that a lot of those people are are retired. They're not talking. They're not speaking. They're not posting on LinkedIn. And so, the you know a lot of the the younger generation tends to be the loudest voices now because they're the ones posting on, you know, Instagram and TikTok and and Threads and and LinkedIn and those kinds of things. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like the a lot of people say they were young discipline, and it's it's funny because we're it's sort of a mix. It's like some parts of it are new, some parts of it are old. Um, you know, and it's just like kind of. How do you get back to the fundamentals? That's kind of the interesting thing I think about all the time. Yeah, especially when we have different mediums are always coming out. And, and it's so easy to forget about the fundamentals, about like yep. why, why design is good in that way, as well as how can we enter a new industry that we didn't have previous experience mm -hmm. in as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I know. So we mentioned a lot of different skills <laughs> that are yep. a part of this. So one aspect that I think is also just most important for people's in careers, as well as getting into the UX industry more than ever now, is just through the power of networking. Yeah, and I, I know it's just what it's like. Probably like the number one skill set to really understand. So I would. So I will ask you, Jeremy. What is your thoughts on networking? And where are some of the ways that you incorporate it into your life? Yeah, well, you know, I have this saying, and I, I need to get this put on a, on mugs and T-shirts and stickers, but mm -hmm. I, I strongly believe this. You cannot build great products or great software without great relationships. And mm -hmm, you can't build true. those relationships without networking. And one of the things that 
you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what part you want to, we want to focus on, but networking, it's one of those things where people hear it. It's like almost like a dirty word, you know, like I'm going to go to this networking event, get my free drink ticket, get my drink, walk around for 30 minutes, go home. But it's, it's, it's so much more than that. It's about really networking to build relationships and that can help you when you're looking for work. It can help you while you, you have a job to understand how your company works, the system, the larger system that, that your product lives in. It can help you understand, you know, how to get promotions and raises and, and, and all kinds of number of things. It can help you future when you, if you get laid off and, and it can help you quickly rebound to find a job. Um, so networking for me is, is so important. It's like the, the foundational thing for almost everything that we do, I think, you know, you, you, we can't mm-hmm. build software by ourselves. I mean, generally speaking, some people I'm sure are, but most, more often than not, we're on a team and it's, you know, software is great software. Building great software is really a team effort. And you can't do it alone. So, you know, to me, that networking piece is just critical for almost every stage of your career. Yeah, I do. I definitely see and understand, especially for my experiences as well, because every, yeah, everything we do, we typically don't do it alone. Everything is, it involves some other team member, it involves a user, mm-hmm. invo- you know, it involves like a stakeholder. Yes. There's, you know, or even, people that we may not even think about until we actually do in the process of it all, because everything we do is focus around other people. Mm-hmm. So in a way there, there definitely is like the buzzword of empathy and all this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's that, funny. I know that goes into, you know, networking and such. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because we, we talk about empathy and, and a lot of times, you know, as UX designers, we talk about empathy and we're really, we're talking about users, the humans, the people using the tools that we build. But when you think about this, you know, it's funny because I, I, I've been hearing, I'm saying this for a while and I've only been recently hearing a lot of other people say, it, which is so, it makes me so happy to hear. But you, you know, you talk about stakeholders, you mentioned them, you know, mm-hmm. working with a stakeholder, building a relationship with them, you have to understand what they're, what they want. What do they need? Yeah. What kind of pressures are they under? What what are what commitments has someone handed them? Because a lot of times in corporate America, those stakeholders are just repeating something someone else said, and they're under a lot of pressure. And so, you know, we often have this headbutting, like, oh, these stupid stakeholders, they, they're just trying to force features down our throat, blah, blah, blah. But then you take a step back, you start to understand, well, what, what is the thing that you're trying to do? Is there a problem that we can help solve? Can I, you know, can I help you with this? And if you can build that trust by building that empathy, you start mm-hmm. to understand what they want, what they need, how you can help them as opposed to just being an order taker. So, you know, I think that's a huge thing, that empathy for stakeholders, for product managers, you know? I mean, it's funny because mm-hmm. I, I look back at config a few weeks ago and I'm, it's kind of shameful to me in a way. Um, when I saw that this happened, I kind of like just hung my head and just like so I, I shed a tear. But when uh, the the Airbnb, I think it was the CEO, announced they got rid of the product management f- function and and all the and all this, all the UX designers cheered and applauded, like, we've defeated the enemy, hooray. It's it it like makes me sad in a way. Like, is this what we've come to? We, we're we're applauding when we get rid of these people who really should be our partners and help us, and we help them, and it's a it's a symbiotic relationship, um, you know. And so we don't often have that empathy for the other people on our team, um, like we do when we say you know we have empathy, and a lot of times it's just total total bullshit, you know, just a bunch of BS, really. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, that's like a kind of like a last resort solution to it. It's like, wow. Yeah, you know, it's interesting what they did. They didn't really get rid of the product management functionality. What what they did was they combined multiple product management functions into one. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. they, you know, he, he the way he said it, 
was maybe a little misleading and, and the people listening probably heard it in the wrong way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just sad. It, it makes me very sad that that many, you know, UX designers cheered the fact that their product partners disappeared. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it says a lot about the maturity of those folks, I think, but I don't know. We're not here to talk about that. <laughs> it's another episode yeah. Altogether. yeah. So when we look at uh, to networking, I, you know, there definitely is misconceptions of what people believe. And I, and it's also where it comes down to is the mindset of mm-hmm. like why we are networking and how we can think of the other people that we're networking with. So mm-hmm. I would just love to hear about some of the the tips that we can have to look into that mindset and try to be more helpful instead of feeling like we're always taking something from someone. Yeah, well, I think that's it, right? That's almost mm-hmm. exactly it. When when people think about networking, they they often think of what is what I got to find somebody to do something for me. You know, I got to go out and find someone to help me get a job or help me solve a problem or do something like that. And and I think that's the obviously I think the very wrong way to look at it because often it's it's a symbiotic thing. Like we're helping each other. Like yes, I need help, but I'm doing something for you too, right? So when we think about you know networking in multiple multiple stages of our career, maybe you're networking to find a job. You know, you're you don't look at it as networking. I don't think at least I'd I'd try not to. It's more I'm meeting people. I'm building relationships. I'm making friends. You know, mm-hmm. like for instance, LinkedIn. A lot of people like hate to think about posting on LinkedIn, and I only started posting on LinkedIn regularly for the podcast. To be perfectly honest, it was very selfish of me. I wanted to spread the you know word about my episodes and stuff. And what I realized was nobody cared. <laughs> nobody cared that I was just posting about my new episode. And what I started to realize was it's it's a, it's a two way street, give and take. Right? I, I started posting insights, things that I know to be true or helpful things. And what I started to realize was that people started to engage with the podcast, right? Mm. So, but not only that, I started posting, I started commenting, I started engaging, I started talking to other people through the comment threads and I started to make friends. You know, I I started Mm. to have virtual coffee chats. I started to meet with people. I started to like send them Cali links and we would set up meetings and we would just get to know each other. And we started to build relationships. You know, I start to message them, DM them. Some of them I joined, like as we created a Slack channel and we we talk offline, you know, and we're we're networking. I mean, that's networking, you know, and I'm not looking for anything right now. They're not looking for anything. But I, I tell you what, the, the minute I ask them for help, those are going to be the people who who help me first. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's something when people think about networking, they often think about like, I have an immediate need. I need a job now. I'm going to go network now. And then when I get the job, I'm going to stop. You know, and that's often just to me the a backwards way of thinking about it. Um, because even if you're networking now to find a job, even if you have a job, you keep networking because at some point you're going to need to find another job. You know, at yeah. some point, unfortunately, you're going to get laid off <laughs> and you don't want to start looking for a job the day you find out, or you don't want to start networking at least the day you find out you got laid off. So all of this helps, you know, and it could just be connecting other people. Like when I say like give and take, like I know of somebody who just got laid off and I know someone's hiring, let me connect them. You know, uh, or I found out someone's hiring. It's not a fit for me, but it's a fit for my friend. Let me connect them. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. And then when we think about networking, once I get the job, I think this is something that really, you know, often people talk about the difference between a junior and a senior, right? I think that mm-hmm. the junior designers tend to be the ones like, just don't, don't bother me. Tell me what you want. Give me the things, give me the specs, whatever it is. I'm going to go off on, on my own and figure it out. I'm going to go design something. Just leave me alone. I'll let you know when I'm done. Don't bother me. And that's often a, a somewhat, you know, I'm gonna say every junior, but that's often somewhat of that mindset, right? That individual contributor mindset at, at the very early stages. 
And I think as you progress in your career, what you realize is I don't have all the information, right? I don't mm -hmm. know what's going on. I need to go talk to somebody. I need to go find out information from someone else about this thing so that I can do my job better. And in the meantime, I might be giving them information they don't know so they can also do their job better, right? So again, it's a symbiotic mm -hmm. relationship. And this could be conversations with stakeholders, conversations with product managers, maybe just subject matter experts, people that you work with that you might have to have a conversation with to get your job done better, faster, mm -hmm. you know, more effectively, whatever. And so I think that's like, again, the thing about networking, it's like at work, I'm not just networking to just go network, just to meet people randomly. I'm there because like, you know, I'm going to do this thing better. I'm going to figure out how to do my job better. I'm going to make connections. I'm going to connect dots that other people may not have because I have my ear to the ground and I'm talking to other people outside of my core team and no one else in my core team is, is doing that, unfortunately. So I'm the only one who knows, you know? And we might be building a feature that they could use, you know, mm -hmm. connect to, integrate with, whatever, upstream, downstream, who knows? Um, and I, you know, but we're building a thing and maybe we don't realize that we have a lot of overlap or we could share that data or, you know, whatever it is, right? A lot of times you would never know that. And a lot of times people above you are never going to tell you, hey, go talk to Jim at, at, over in this thing because he knows this, blah, blah, blah. You're going to have to figure that out on your own. And so I think to me often that is the, the difference between some of those lower level individual contributors and some of the people who start to make a huge impact on the team and the business because they've been networking that entire time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to highlight that key part that you mentioned about how networking really shouldn't stop when you get the job. You know, yeah. that's so important. Yeah. You know, it, it's just an it's an ongoing process. Yep. And all. it's networking, you know, internally. Yeah. But also externally, you know, I, I get a job, this job might not work out, <laughs> you know, maybe I'm going to need another job, hopefully not too soon. But, you know, I use the, I use the example of an avocado tree a lot when, when I talk about needing a job or networking, right? Like, let's say it's Sunday, you know, you, 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 you love for brunch, you love a good avocado toast, you know, who doesn't love a good avocado toast? You, you, you know, you're going to have brunch on Sunday. You don't go out Saturday night and plant an avocado tree to get that avocado for a nice brunch, right? You you have to plant the avocado tree and it might take a year or two years or longer for that avocado tree to bear fruit, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if you think about that, you know, if you want to have a brunch with avocado toast, you might have to go plant a bunch of avocado trees because some of those might not bear fruit. You know, some of them might mm -hmm. might die. Some of them might, might something might happen. A rabbit might eat it or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So you've got, you've got all these like avocado trees in your backyard and, and not all of them are going to always pan out, but you want to have... A, a bunch of options, a bunch of things years from now. Um, and you don't want to be that one person on LinkedIn saying, Hey, I just got laid off. I'm desperate. My, my mortgage is due next week. My rent's due. My, they're going to get kicked me out. You know, you kick me out of my apartment. My, my kids aren't going to eat because I lost my job. Right. That's, that's the mm -hmm. last thing you want to be thinking about when you get laid off. It's, you know, having that safety net, having that, that group of people that you know and trust and have, have networked with over time. And you could pick that avocado and have that nice avocado toast on Sunday morning for brunch. Yeah, I know. Um, when I started networking, one of the problems I had as an introvert is just how fast it tires me out mm. on that, but also just like the fear of um, yeah. the uncertainties of meeting new people. 
Yeah. And I can look and say, like, that was a lot of my mindset that I was dealing with. So I would love to hear your thoughts of, like, what are your advice on someone who feels nervous yeah. or awkward about networking? So, you know, I have to be honest. Like, I, I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself an introvert. I feel like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably more on the extrovert side of the scale. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I can't necessarily speak to this personally. Um, I will say, you know, other people that I know are very much introverts. And one of the things I've often heard from some of the, my introvert friends, and again, you know, introverts aren't monoliths. Maybe, maybe people think differently is mm-hmm. that the, the in-person networking scared them to death, right? Going to a bar, milling around hands in pockets, sweat dripping down your, you know, like that kind <laughs> of thing is very hard for someone like that, for an introvert, sometimes depending on the you know type of introvert you are. And also extroverts sometimes could have problems with this as well. Um, but, you know, thinking about online networking, um, I'm typing a message. I have time to think about the thing I'm about to type. I can I can revise it multiple times. You know, it's not necessarily face-to-face. I just have to hit send and, and that message goes or something like that. So I find that, you know, for me at least, networking online and networking in person are, are very, very, very different things. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, having that kind of virtual coffee chat where we get on a Zoom call together is, is a little bit more similar to an in-person type of thing. Um, but I think that's the thing, like, is network how you feel comfortable, right? Yeah. Like, don't network how I network. <laughs> Network how you want to network. Network how you feel comfortable. If if sending a cold email to somebody makes you uncomfortable, then don't do that. Um, if sending a message over LinkedIn is makes you uncomfortable, don't do that. Um, you know, if you feel more comfortable following someone for a little while on LinkedIn, engaging with them every once in a while, liking their stuff, leaving a thoughtful comment, asking them a question, and building a rapport that way over time, if that's more comfortable for you, then do that. Um, so I think that's something really important. I also want to note that a couple of weeks ago, not a month ago, I can't remember when, I posted about posting on LinkedIn and how important it is for for networking, for junior designers or, or people looking for work. And someone uh, actually called me out and said, you know, this this is great advice for some people, but this, this person happened to be autistic, um, was neurodivergent. And said, you know, I, this is not for me. I don't like doing this. And and so we actually got on a call and, and had a chat. And um, I was able to talk to them about some of their perspective. It's kind of interesting. And and so the, really, that that I wouldn't say it changed my mind necessarily because I think this advice works for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. it, I I do want to recognize that it might not work for everybody. And so my only advice would be to to network how you feel comfortable, however that is for you. I don't don't do something because I said it. <laughs> do something <laughs> because you think it works for you. So, you know, this advice could work for some people, maybe, maybe a lot of people, but I just note, you know, you might be listening out there and saying, oh my God, this is like giving me call. I'm getting, I'm getting nervous sweats thinking about it. Then, then think about how you can interact with somebody and build a relationship in a way that doesn't make you uncomfortable. Because at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. that's all this is about. It's not about sending a message. It's not about having the conversation. It's about building the relationship, right? And having, having me be someone they think about when they when they they have a need and I can help them, right? Or mm-hmm. they they I, I can be confident they might help me if I have a need, right? So if that's just purely emails or digital message or Slack or Twitter or TikTok or however you want to communicate, um, the, the the trick is really just finding those people that you feel comfortable and talking to them in a way that makes you comfortable and not uncomfortable. If that yeah, helps. absolutely. That's I know it's a very mindful way of going about this. I really do appreciate it and. I want to uh, speak for the introverts that are struggling. One thing that helped me was pace myself throughout the day when mm. you're doing it online. Yeah. Because w- 
one thing in my mind is like, it was easy to talk about, about it to myself. Like, oh yeah, I can just talk to a bunch of people. I'm not talking to them in person. You know, it's like, oh, like yeah. I don't have to see it. Don't have the the scariness of being able to look them directly in the face. So it's like, right. yeah, that's going to be easy. And then I go about it. I was like, wow, this is actually very taxing. A lot uh -huh. more taxing than I imagined to like, like uh, send a DM to like every single person. Yeah. So I was like, wow. And it turns out that, hey, it's okay to do even just one person a day. Yeah, sure. This I mean, like even one, one person Just a one week. step. Yeah, one person a week, like, one person a month. I mean, whatever makes you feel comfortable, you know, I don't yeah. want to set any, any targets and say you have to network with 18 people every 30 minutes or you're going to fail. I mean, whatever, you know, everybody has different needs, right? I mean, everybody has different, different problems that they're trying to solve and, and networking could potentially be a solution there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you're talking about stuff at work, I think at work, it makes it a little bit easier because you have a, a common thread there. We both work at the same company. We might be working on the same problem. And it's actually my job to do this. You know, you have to respond to me versus some random person from the internet that you've never met and you have no connection to in real life. Um, the other thing that I might say, and I don't know if this is something that might help introverts or maybe just everybody, but is, you know, find people that you know that could make a connection or an introduction for you and break the ice, you know? Instead of just mm -hmm. cold, I think that's pretty terrifying for almost anybody is that cold message. Like, no, you never, you never heard from me before. You never talked to me is figure out how to break the ice. And that could be, that could be somebody making an introduction for you. Um, it could be just following somebody and and interacting with their comments and, and their, their posts or whatever on whatever social media platform that you you're on. And, you know, they start to see your name. They start to see your, some of your thoughts and, and you become less of a, of a rando person from the internet and more mm -hmm. of a connection that, that interacts with them on a regular basis. And they're more likely to respond. They're more likely to respond in a positive way than just some random person who, who sends a message and says, Hey, I need this thing. Can you help me today? Yeah. I know. I, I'm, I know. I, I really love to be able to send these connections out and get like referrals. They're always mm -hmm. so helpful, especially like just getting like yeah, new absolutely. guests on the podcast as well, because yeah, I know. And uh, one aspect I also really want to uh, say to those people who are also, um, you know, still frightened about reaching out, I'm realizing that the worst case scenario that always happens is <laughs> yeah. they just ignore your message. Exactly, exactly. And like, and there's like, there's no harm done really at the end of the day. Absolutely. Very rarely have I ever had anyone reply and be like, who are you? Shut up. Don't ever message me again. You're an idiot. You know, that's, I don't think that's ever actually happened. Um, you know, so I, I think that's true. The, the more, more likely scenario is they just don't respond <laughs> and they just ignore you. Uh, and so, you know, if that, if that is happening and, and you feel like you want to reach out to somebody, you know, that's when you see like, you know, who do I know that knows this person? You know, maybe I know a person who knows a person who knows this person. Um, and so, you know, that, that's when those, those connection requests or those referrals rather, um, help out quite a bit and makes it a lot easier to start that conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's for all the process. And it's just so easy now than ever because we have social media and like really anyone can do it and talk to anyone across the world. It is. It is amazing. Um, you know, it's funny because I... Um, I started getting more involved online. Um, like I said, late last year, probably December was when I started posting online almost every day. And I, since then, I have met so many people from so many places that I never imagined I would ever talk to people 
Argentina, Israel, um, Lithuania, uh, Finland, Sweden, Netherlands, uh, the UK, all over Europe, Africa, Lagos, you know, Nigeria. I've talked to people yeah. in Russia, China, Ukraine, like, you know, uh, I talked to somebody in Hong Kong not long ago, um, Thailand. I mean, it's just like amazing, you mm -hmm. know, and, and it's, it's crazy just the amount of people that I've interacted with from just varying backgrounds and places even that alone is almost like exciting enough to keep doing it even if i'm you know that's kind of what i get out of it is just an interesting conversation with an interesting person from a really interesting place mm -hmm. um, yeah so that's kind of my like selfish <laughs> selfish desire to keep doing that kind of stuff because it's just i don't know i find it fascinating but i am an extrovert so i maybe you know, i just like talking to people so <laughs> that, that might vary for some of y'all some of y'all out there I know. Uh, one thing that I absolutely learned from talking to other designers across the world is how like our process and what we do as our job doesn't change at all. We all yeah. deal with the same problems, go for the same processes. I, I was agree. like, I was like, whoa, you know, from people from Nigeria to people from Japan to people from Moscow, like it's actually incredible how like we are all able to come together and just discuss and know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like that's our job is just to solve problems. Right. And I mean, we mm -hmm. talk about processes, our processes might differ a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know, if we're not solving problems for somebody or making someone's day better or improving how, how they live their life via the tools we, we build, you know, we're, we're probably not doing UX we're doing something else. Um, and so, you know, maybe, maybe we have different titles. Maybe our company utilizes this in different ways because maturity levels are, are all over the place. But at the end of the day, it is very similar, right? We we, we solve problems, we 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 under, uncover insights, we we propose solutions, and hopefully get them built. And uh, you know, yeah. So the, I mean, to me, it's not surprising we're all we're all kind of similar, right? Um, I think we still argue about titles and and very specific <laughs> semantic type things. But at the end of the day, generally speaking, we are we are all very similar. Yeah, I know. And that's like everybody comes back to like, it's okay to reach out to people because of we're all in this together, just doing the same things too. Yeah. And so. you know, the other thing I, I tell people too, is designers, especially, we love to talk about our work, you know, maybe it's true. Not, not that we like to talk about ourselves. We like to talk about our work. You know, we like to, we like to talk craft and talk shop and, you know, very rarely are you going to come across someone who just wants to be left alone <laughs> and not talk about those things. And I think it's, it's about true. how you ask the questions, you know, it's about how that's in a thoughtful way. If you ask for someone to do something for you and simply say, Hey, review my portfolio, please. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Um, that that's probably not going to get a, a response, but if it's something, you know, Hey, I, I, you mentioned this really interesting thing the other day, I have this other perspective. Um, you know, it's a little different. What do you think? Is that, you know, so, and, and if you don't get a response from someone like that, they're either just insanely busy. They've got a million messages that they probably haven't gone through all of them to even see it. But if it's, you know, normal person and, you know, average, average designer probably would want to interact with that conversation because it's, it's an interesting thing, you know? So I think take advantage of the fact that designers like to talk about their craft and their work, and they're, they're always looking to have a conversation about design. Yeah, I know. It's, it really helps with the podcast guesting because almost always down for it to talk just because like, we're so, like, we're so passionate about our work. That to hear a designer that doesn't like talking about design does feel foreign in a lot of ways. Exactly. Until I get to a point where I have a publicist or something and I get paid $50,000 an hour to talk about something, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it with anybody. Uh, the chances of me having that happen, making $50,000 yeah. an hour to talk about something is, is pretty low. So uh, I almost be guaranteed I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to talk about it with anybody. 
as long as you're as long as they're thoughtful in how they approach it. I'm I'm down to chat. <laughs> yes. So as we're drawing a close to this episode, what's the best way to support you and what you're doing, Jeremy? Yeah. Well, um, like we said, I host the Beyond UX Design podcast and and uh that that show if you're not familiar uh it's all about the soft skills so it's called beyond ux design the taglines you're more than a designer because there's more to ux than design and it's a lot of the soft skills you know we don't really talk about hard skills we're not going to talk about figma plugins and how to do this that or the other but it's a lot of soft skills a lot of uh you know self-growth how to improve how to be more effective as a ux designer uh so you can check me out uh beyonduxdesign.com you can also check out beyonduxdesign wherever you get your podcast fixed. And uh, yeah, beyondyourexdesign.com uh, is where you go. That's it. Oh, also LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. I post pretty regularly on LinkedIn and you can follow me there if you uh, want to learn some interesting things and have some interesting conversations. I know you definitely do post a lot of really cool stuff on LinkedIn. So thanks, man. Yeah, I try. <laughs> yeah, I know. So all links of that would be found in the show notes. So you can see Jeremy's podcast and his LinkedIn page. All right. So any closing words you'd like our audience to know about? Yeah, I just, you know, like, again, I just can't reiterate this enough. I, I really do believe that you cannot build great software, great products without great relationships. And I think that is just the number one thing. If you find that you're you're getting pushback from people, if you find that people aren't listening to you necessarily, if they, if you find that you're, you know, you're not able to do the things you think you need to be doing as a UX designer, I, I think part of the problem is probably, that you're you're not building those relationships with some of those key people. So if you're not having regular one-on-ones with stakeholders, product managers, the people that can help influence the work that you're doing, that's just the one thing I would recommend is start doing that today, one-on-ones with the important people on your team. And you know, I, I say this a lot, but you 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 have a you're gonna have a lot harder time having a hard, tough conversation with someone that you don't know. And someone you don't trust and someone that doesn't know you or trust you. So if you build those strong relationships with those really important people on your team, having hard conversation as UX designer when you start doing those one-on-ones. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I know the, the difference in success of companies that do one-on-ones versus ones that don't. Like it's a night and day difference. I mean, and so, if, yeah. if <laughs> and look, I mean, even if like your company doesn't do one, you know, I mean, one-on-one with these people don't you know go and just say hey uh hey nick have a one-on-one with with once a week once every every other week once a month every three weeks doesn't matter just something that you know get to know get to know them have a conversation understand what they do outside of work and just build a relationship build trust yeah and i i one thing i would just say is you know don't wait for somebody to to set up a one-on-one for you if your company doesn't do one-on-ones regularly that doesn't mean you can't right i mean if you work on a regular basis don't wait for someone to be like, hey, Nick, uh, can you reach out to Beth? Beth is a stakeholder. Make sure you have a one-on-one. You know, those things are so important to just set it up. Just have a one-on-one once a week, once every other week, once a month, however often you think you need to, and use that time to know them, you know, like find out what they do, have a relationship with them. If you're in the same city, get some coffee together, you know, um, and and build that because those, those, you know, we we have we have to have hard conversations quite often when we build software, right? And Building relationships and getting to know somebody, having hard conversation becomes a lot easier when you like the other person, right? Having a hard conversation with someone you barely know, have to have those hard conversations, have those one-on-ones now, have your regular one-on-ones, don't wait for other people to to assign them for you. And if your company isn't doing it, I would question what's going on in your company, to be honest, because that's like shocking to me that a lot of companies don't do one-on-ones. I feel like the really great companies value that relationship. So 
Don't wait for somebody to have a one-on-one. Go out and do it. Just do it. Don't don't wait for permission. Just do it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for being here. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. This has been amazing. And uh, thanks for everything you do for the for the UX community. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Please do support our guests. And until then, you just listen to the UX Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mann. Thank you for listening.